This episode of Everyday People is dedicated to Brindabani Gupta, my grandmother who passed away on the 23rd of January 2023. Hello and welcome to Everyday People where people balance work and life every day. My name is Vaibhav, thank you so much for listening. I want to talk to you a little bit about the show before I go into the interview as usual. I want to spend some time with you. If you like listening to this part, just a solo podcast of me and you goodness. Today is episode 120. It's the season finale. of everyday people however like i want to produce this as seasons uh, i'm going to take a break for a while because i've not been well recently my grandmother passed away and it's surprising you know for like she was sometimes a positive influence largely a negative influence on my life for a long time and like strain on the family and everything but so i, I didn't think i would grieve her after her passing but i am and like it made me sick last week it made me sick this week i'm running a fever right now as i am recording this but i wanted to just put out this episode because it would be the season finale anyway and then i can take a break from it i will be back at some point with season 5 of everyday people starting with episode 121 i've realized that because of like the the way i like to produce the show like the standard i try and maintain like i want to create a written product with it that acts as a, like as a great email newsletter to read and everything which is what substack is but i realized that it was putting a strain on me to edit all that and put all that together week to week so i haven't thought of how i want to i haven't decided how i want to tackle it i will either move to once every two weeks or i'll stop writing the written product and just do the audio show because that's easier because like i need to make some time in my life for other things which the show is like not enabling at the moment so if you enjoy the show i'm sorry that it's going to be a slightly less than product but maybe you don't care about the written part maybe you just like to listen to the audio in that case i have some good news for you is like the show is called everyday people and that's the name i kind of stuck with uh because i i always thought it's just about the guest but actually like what i realized i want to make is the tharun and kem show or the web of gupta show or whatever right which has segments to it so right now the show has three segments this solo podcast where i talk directly to you for a while and then the interview with the guest which is the main bit and the longest bit and then letters to myself which is like this spoken word piece at the end right and I kind of want to make the first and third section also more appealing like they have their own charm have their own identity even though they're so much shorter than the interview maybe like I get comfortable making an even longer intro like now I'm seeing I've already been speaking for 3 minutes maybe like I figure out a way to be interesting to you for 10 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then we get to the interview I don't know what I can manage and what you like but I will learn as I continue to practice. I have ideas to make this section more interesting. Uh, you will see that with hopefully the new episode whenever that comes out. I have already recorded episode 121 um but all the editing and putting together and producing is left. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much for sticking with me. I kind of you know like the insecurity comes through where I'm like I'm not interesting enough to hold the attention of the listener it's it's only the guest that they come to listen for but uh, you know that's an insecurity i have no data that says that like i might not have data that you like it but i don't have data that you dislike it so i just have to keep trying and doing what i like if you're listening to this episode might as well like ping me on social or on my phone number or whatever you have what do you think what do you like give me some feedback it helps me make the show better and so yeah uh Today is episode one twenty, the last episode of season four. 
my guest is Naveen Fernandez, uh, who was in the finance industry for many, many years. And he introduced himself as someone who just turned 60 and retired. So it was nice to talk to somebody more senior and try to understand like work-life balance and how they approach it. Like he has a very old school mentality as far as work-life balance is concerned, but it was refreshing to be able to talk to him as somebody who doesn't have the same views and just sort of like have a pleasant conversation. Uh, Enjoy the episode and I will see you at the end for Letters to Myself. Naveen Fernandez to Everyday People, where people balance work and life every day. Uh, my first question always to my guests, please introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And what are, are your current side projects? Uh, hi, Bible. Uh, you've given my name, Naveen Fernandez. I have just become a senior citizen 60 a uh, couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. And, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but thank you. Um, I've been... Uh, Certified financial planner. We are about two and a half thousand of us in India. I don't know why so few. I've been in the investment industry uh, since about 38 years. Mm-hmm. I've been an investor for a little over 40, 42 years, having started with a tiny 125 rupees when I was still in college. Um, I've had some great teachers. Um, one of my first motivators unfortunately passed away about a year ago, Sanjay Rao, a cousin of Vijay Malia, who gave me a tough time even as he taught me uh, something that has become my profession. I've been doing nothing else seriously in my life. Um, Over time, I decided that I needed to add to my qualifications more for the fun of doing it. And um, I did three postgrad degrees, two in economics and one in English. Um, over the last 15 years, I did my certified financial planning program about uh, was about 16 years ago. I've been a portfolio manager. I've been a salesperson. I worked with mutual funds and I do more of the same. But I retired about seven years ago from uh, corporate life mm-hmm. and got into teaching. I thought that uh, I had an option of dying at my desk or my client's place. And I decided neither of us are a good idea. Right. Uh, so I moved from being harassed by my clients to harassing young people. So teaching was the best way to do it. I've enjoyed that. And uh, I think my students also, to a large extent, have enjoyed a relationship that we have had beyond the classroom. So I bring industry to them, which unfortunately is not available to a lot of educational institutions. Right. Uh, you have your MA and you have your PhD and have zero corporate experience and you're supposed to guide people to a corporate life and that unfortunately puts a student at a disadvantage teaching has been a passion and uh, i've lost my hair to corporates well i mean you're a handsome man who needs hair i, I don't like a guy to tell me that i'd prefer a woman telling oh. me that it's okay it's, it's 2023 we can accept compliments from anybody <laughs> And we'll talk more about your work and investment in the second section. But what I was interested in is like, I, I sense a, a gentle self-deprecating humor from you. you. You said turning 60 is not a good thing. It is what it is, I feel. And I'm excited to talk to somebody who's older because, you know, that's a rare opportunity. 
for some of us what were what was that experience like what's it like to be 60 years old has anything changed for you between 59 and 60 yeah once i get my senior citizen card i'll get a discount on a bus hmm. but otherwise no um i think i am uh, a lot fitter and more energetic today than i was uh, 10 years ago right partly because i've uh, cut down a little weight uh, i've cut out uh, smoking i was never a big smoker uh, i don't even hang around with smokers now right so that i think that's helped and i cycle around a lot including uh, when i go to work i'm one of those funny guys who've um, been going around in bangalore in a full suit on a bicycle oh beautiful and um, gives me a opportunity to wear a halo like nothing else so i'm also living in bangalore i'm ha- half your age literally i'm 30 years old uh, i mean i don't know what to ask I, i i don't know how to approach you about the topic of age what can i expect i feel is a question i should ask you what can i expect as i get older now in my 30s i'm already starting to feel that exercise has gone from being a hobby to a necessity you know like maintaining regular doctor checkups and all that stuff but beyond that i feel like i i would love to get to know from you what i should look forward to as i get older so attitudes towards age change i remember a time visiting my cousin's office for some program and she said oh there's a girl in our office who who knows you so i went and saw this <clears throat> and i met this absolutely beautiful girl and she said i'm i'm so and so your friend dinesh's sister I said oh that little brat just 2 years younger was trying to hang around with us and we were avoiding mm. i i had the sense to spend more time with pretty girl like that when she was younger okay but so when you're 15 two years is a lot of time right. um, and when you're 30 and 40 then 5 years 10 years really doesn't make a difference um, i really believe that uh, the old saying of uh, age is in your mind mm-hmm. uh, if you feel young mm. if you're mentally alert you yeah that's it the, for the rest of it again the cliched age is just a number i think it's sort of true uh, of course your body doesn't do a lot of things that you wish it did yeah so uh, some things are in the mind they don't go down to the body but uh, those are a few exceptional uh, problems of age hmm. otherwise i think i'm uh, as largely the yes largely the same for you as in you experience life as you experienced it when you were younger it's not like other than the obvious like body stuff other than that you're saying it's like basically the same uh, i can be a lot more honest and blunt uh, i have a little gray hair which uh, i can use to that advantage mm-hmm. if i tell someone that i uh, if i want to speak speak my mind with someone i can uh, mm-hmm. i don't have to punches anymore as i used to that's something i think there's a term in the learning and development community called uh, balding and graying uh, so mm-hmm. i have been a trainer um, in a few circles and my friends who are older they tell me like people will not respect you or give you the time of day as a trainer because you're not balding or graying there's a seriousness or a veracity that comes with i guess age uh, you mentioned that you've uh, stopped smoking and you weren't a big smoker and that you've lost some weight was fitness like a conscious like was it a dramatic thing for you or has it been like the, this needs to be done i'm just going to go forward and keep doing this it's been on and off um, i uh, used to be fit and mm-hmm. then um, i got into work so seriously that uh, i expanded around the center 
and then i had a minor health shock found my sugar levels and uric acid and cholesterol was sky high so i started swimming and uh, doing half marathons and that helped now just a little bit going back a little bit to that gray hair pit a little bit little over 20 years ago i found a few grays in my on mm-hmm. my chin mm-hmm. and i started growing this little goat that i have now yeah uh, in my field in in investments a lot of people are young and they are required by their employer to con so most of my selling uh, most of the selling in my industry unfortunately we can come back to that later is uh, is conning so i grew this little gray in my beard consciously because i thought that my customers would give me a little opportunity because we have respect for age in india so they would right. give me a, a <clears throat> give me a year listen to me for a little while and then of course if i had the stuff in me i would be able to uh, convey my stuff or be thrown out uh, something that i do recommend uh, to younger people is that they dress well i've worked in bombay for a number of years and i believe that there are few of my clients who are very few of my clients who not seen me in a full suit i think dressing well is out of respect for your customer it is not showing off uh, for grooming your i think for your time for your station like all of it is like i'm making it, it's a indication that i'm making an effort uh yes uh, see there's one c- c- customer i was desperate to get i couldn't mm-hmm. get an appointment and one i just went to the reception i said look i'm at your office i've asked you for for time you've not given it to me just give me 2 minutes i'm not going to sit in your cabin Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand. Talk talk to me for 2 minutes and throw me out. He hesitated and then called me in. Mm-hmm. This was a, a dream account for me. And when I went in there he stood up. He says, "Oh, senior aadmi hai. I'm sorry." I sat with him for 45 minutes. I signed him up. I walked out with the account. He felt respected by a guy who was dressed in a suit and had a gray beard. Yeah, I mean, I've been around a uniform my entire life. So I grew up in a conservative Catholic school and then a conservative Catholic college. and uniform has been part of my life forever so i i can appreciate you saying like dressing well this now with my colored hair and everything is like the post school phase for 10 or 20 years where i'm going to be a rebel but i've been like dressing well all my life comparatively and now it's just i'm adding a little bit of personality to it and trying to look good but also like look a little casual i think that's just a generational thing like where we all are trying to balance casualness and seriousness or like i care about this and i don't it's a fascinating thing to talk about every any time like uh, do you find that outside of your work life even just in leisure time or like with your family you tend to dress better or you pr- tend to like put an effort into it no i'm uh, visiting my uh, senior friend and retired professor and i'm in a t-shirt and jeans Uh, at, at home looking t-shirt and jeans i presume uh, at home i'm shorts uh, rubber slippers t-shirt sometimes i don't uh, i i'm very comfortable i love goa i love the beach and uh, the, i carry two uh, swimming trunks i might wear i might wear a little less right so it's it's con- it's the context it is context so what i'm saying is would you put what i'm asking is would you put the same amount of effort in choosing a good pair of shorts or a good pair of hawaii like you know rubber slippers as you would put into put buying a good suit like do you care about clothing in general or more as just a means of respecting your work respecting my work that's it right. um i am not really concerned about my uh, dress outside of my profession got it so you're not dressing for yourself and you're comfortable in 
anything basically i if i'm on a vacation i don't shave for two or three weeks mm. but i don't remember meeting any customer without uh, shaving right so i guess it's more like a ritual for you then in that case like okay i'm going to while you're working on a day to day basis like i'm you're retired now i'm still working so there's a day to day routine and part of that day to day routine was grooming for you grooming uh, i if i go to a customer i prepare my material if i have to make a presentation it's pre- it's ready and updated in advance i think the guy who pays for the food on my table the roof above my head deserves not just my respect but it deserves my competence professional mm-hmm. competence and uh, i've tried to provide that that's fantastic i don't think that's old fashioned i think that's just professional and <laughs> i still i still see that at least in corporate circles where i am so interestingly you're from a customer facing profile right and other customer facing people that i know are like you as far as just there are some things that you don't forsake at all like it's all part of the presentation is part of the business and i am from a back end perspective like i am a professional writer i don't interface with customers very often even though like in other things in like public speaking and these sort of things i am interfacing with people but for us like back end people we are absolutely not concerned with presentation we, we are like we only care about our competence about getting the product out or getting the documentation out or so on and so forth but yeah i think even people like me like back end people we would benefit from dressing for work i have my own rituals as far as at least you know where i work i don't have rituals for what i wear into work but it's all like great for focus we'll talk about focus more as we talk about your work now in section 2 before section 2 do you want to take a short break or are you good to continue i'm good fantastic so section 2 is about your work about money about your relationship with hard work and your relationship with your mental health basically so you said 38 years of being a certified financial planner and now retired do you no, 35 30 38 years of corporate life certified financial planner only 16 years okay so 38 years of corporate life and now retired was the change jarring for you when you retired no i did this gradually i was 53 when i decided that i was going to take a break uh, from i started doing more of what i enjoy but see my work itself was something that i enjoyed hmm. um, i i have i have said this quite often in my circles my bosses are idiots uh, for paying me for doing what i love hmm. um, i believe that we sh- if we learn enough of our profession we end up loving it that makes that makes us better at our work Uh, unfortunately for my family i've been a workaholic mm-hmm. and uh, my daughter's been cribbing uh, about that quite often uh, though at one time she was sent out to by kpmg to her, one of their clients in uh, tamil nadu and she didn't have the templates to work with and she called up she said i'm tired i get 4 hours of sleep i don't get non veg food or the best i can get is an omelet i said look i'm really thrilled because when i used to work you cribbed that i have no f- time for family i want you to experience that I'm so happy for you if you feel you want to send it to me you can get it from me and i would say this to any young person forget about the first years of your career put yourself in work i have till i retired i work an average of 14 hours a day including holidays and weekends yeah and i've enjoyed doing it and i guess that's probably made me good at some of the things i do Right. Mathematics, I told you earlier, is an exception. I mean, <laughs> mathematics 
even though that's something you you would require in your job a little bit at least arithmetic yeah i agree with you like so i am now a 10 year professional myself 11 years of freelance experience 9 years of full time writing and the first few years are really a blur for me at least like the first 5 i imagine now as i'm entering my 30s i'm sort of excited about seeing what happens as far as my relationship with work it is sort of relaxing already a little bit but in in that time you said you you love your work i also love my work but did you find that in your 30s you had it a, like a different uh, approach to work and versus in your 40s versus in your 50s and can you like yeah. elaborate for me what uh, it was like in each sort of decade so the early part was where i had more physical energy mm-hmm. uh, so i think i used my body a lot more than my mind so i was running around grabbing opportunities doing business without a sufficient focus on the back end it was expensive hmm. but over time i realized that uh, learning to work with, with technology adding to uh, academic qualifications hmm. uh, did help so it's been it's been a change of attitude and part of it is simply because the body changes another is because the industry has changed if you see pictures of the old stock exchange we had the trading floor and people screaming and pulling each other's shirts I was yeah. there and now we have the people screaming at the computer screens. Yeah, now now just DMAT accounts, everybody screaming in the privacy of their own home. Yeah. So, uh, fortunately, it's also been helping my body. It's been mm-hmm. aging with my body or developing with that. So, uh, I can use a mouse as well as I could pull somebody's shirt on the yeah. trading floor. Uh, yes, yeah, same motion here. You just have to do the same pulling motion on the mouse. <laughs> what was the most exciting thing for you in your work like what did you enjoy about it the most i can't pinpoint uh, one single instance because uh, as my industry developed and i got an opportunity to develop i've learned a lot of things i've learned a lot from my mistakes i've learned a lot from my bosses mm-hmm. it's very difficult to pinpoint one thing but i do believe that some of my seniors have given me opportunities to do things outside of the box mm-hmm. and that's been good for me the organization for, for our clients i'll uh, make the question easier in that case what would you say are the three best lessons you learned from your time working as a certified financial planner not just certified financial planner but in this and within field, the corporate experience and investment company and everything yes one one of the biggest has been that i learned to acknowledge mistakes as quickly as i realized them hmm. i started segregating my charts with my clients into uh, mostly corporate uh, cfos into fact and opinion and opinion would always be backed by some kind of facts which i turn in my mind and turn out an opinion the moment i realize that something's wrong and that can also be a service issue or error of omission okay we've we've messed up or we've just had we've just done something and we've got the world trade center hmm. uh, the first thing was run to the customer sit with them Uh, i realized that uh, at various various times when there was serious crisis most people in my industry just disappear yeah most young people are there for the good times and uh, i learned over 20 years ago world trade center was 21 22 years 21 years ago um, was to be there old hands look i didn't bomb world trade center but i am advising your investments and therefore it is my duty to be there to hold your hand so one is acknowledge my mistakes another is hold hands third is 
and this is to do with unlearning my all the all the learning i did on sales and marketing mm. is to be truthful over time i realized that uh, i get a lot more peace and a lot more regard with my customer i lose a lot of them mm-hmm. because a lot of people fall to the con man yeah. there's a sucker born every minute and there is a banker to take advantage of that uh, so i lost a lot of business but i realized that uh, over time my knowledge and i put in a lot of effort in studying mm-hmm. myself updated uh, looking beyond the obvious and uh, that's been good for my clients it's helped me professionally mm-hmm. and uh, i think being honest and blunt about anything else is actually not a bad thing i had a question and i just lost it as you said the last thing i'll have to cut out the silence later that's fine uh what was the question shit <laughs> it was about yes got it um in talking to you i am getting this sense of this fierce sense of duty that you have is what i'm getting like towards your work it's your duty to work with your clients even in the bad times how you're talking about like the world trade center and i imagine 2008 was another difficult time so where does your sort of identity as a man come into this like duty is clearly important to you what does masculinity mean to you as far as like you know being responsible being there as a provider or anything else that you how would you process that gosh masculinity is the last thing that i can think of uh, i am a feminist as am i and i and i push it aggressively i'm, mm-hmm. I'm very upset with uh, people don't respect a lady uh, and i i hope i do so drop the masculinity bit but as a individual and a professional i think there's there's very little between the two we spend so much time at work uh, the money that comes out of that work comes into the home mm-hmm. and uh, i think there is very little gray in between very little gray it's a, it's like a contiguous thing mm-hmm. so you are able to sort of bifurcate them like work and home uh, hardly 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 i i don't think i can even now after uh, sort of uh, loosening even down even now yes even now even now even now i i run numbers in my mind when i look at a menu and decide oh i'm not having i'm not paying this much for whatever <laughs> but i thought you were bad at that i'm good at arithmetic <laughs> um so why i asked about masculinity is like i agree with you i'm a feminist but that also means that you know teaching men how to be better and i feel like masculinity unfortunately doesn't get defined in the good way as it should be right so like i would say you're a very masculine man even as a feminist because this fierce sense of duty that i'm getting from you this idea of you know love for your students respect for your clients love for everybody in your life like being of service to everybody in your life right these are all masculine traits very positive masculine traits that i sort of like to highlight uh, do you agree at least with me or would you think that you would have a different opinion of what masculinity should be defined as more of feminine traits um that's what a mother does right she cares what a father does a father also does i am a firm believer in the men's underwear indicator it's an economic indicator one that allen greenspan i have no idea that is tell me tell me a okay. little bit no talk about that all right um in a bad economic situation the dad might not say things uh, but he is not going to buy anything for himself mm-hmm. if he's a good father and good provider uh, he's going to be looking after his family before right. catering to himself right and therefore 
he's going to be wearing his old undies mm. even if they're hanging on threads because no one can see those but it's only when he's provided for his family that he's going to buy fresh underwear for himself got it so in a recession uh, men's underwear don't sell the feminine in, uh, equivalent is the uh, lipstick index mm. from Estee Lauder and let me assure you they're both both true and um, i have no respect for a man who looks after himself over his family of course and that is uh, what a woman does all the time doesn't she in a tough time mama is the last person to eat and if there's no food she says oh don't worry i've already eat yeah and no i really don't want this i i want you to have it um that's so it's it's interesting because like i feel like especially as you know i'm entering 2023 and more of these years like trying to understand my politics and everything and trying to understand my relationship with me as a human being but my relationship with everybody else and everything it's always interesting to get that opinion so from like i think we're going to have to disagree on this uh, i uh, i myself i'm more like not taking care of myself over my family but taking care of myself as part of the family that i'm taking care of that's where i sort of lean on uh, but we'll agree to disagree on that we'll move into our third section here we're back with navin fernandez in section 3 talking about his side projects navin we've just taken a lengthy break in between recording let's jump back in with uh, you tell me what do you like to do in your free time i mentioned earlier that i got out of corporate life uh, mm-hmm. into teaching and that's something that something that i totally enjoy and uh, part of that has got into working with children so i work with a couple of ngos that provide education mm-hmm. uh, largely to the uh, economically lesser privileged um, one is a group called arunya arunya uh, okay they uh, teach english at a few schools uh, largely um, tamil and uh, other local language based schools so arunya has this amazing amount of work they've done on creating uh, teaching material mm-hmm. in phonics uh, and the like now i'm lousy at phonics i'm okay at phonetics um, but i simply love interacting with kids and i start my week with that so monday mornings is for a school called the annaswami mudaliyar school annaswami uh, mudaliyar school okay annaswami mudaliyar it's about 45 minutes uh, by scooter and about one hour from by car by home from mm-hmm. home um, absolutely wonderful set of teachers in the school extremely forward looking um, and the volunteers in that place are um, a, a great people to interact with all voluntary uh, who've put in i can imagine the amount of effort time money that they've done in putting in the uh, teaching collaterals mm-hmm. so this is this is an awesome uh, uh, set of people Uh, i also spent some time with uh, religious that jesuit priests who have a formation house for uh, young people largely from uh, jharkhand and uh, bihar and orissa and a few from south india so i along with the others i spent some time teaching them english and uh, largely phonetics initially and then other subjects so that they are better equipped when they go to college so that's the older set of uh, students right. and um, there is a group called sahaya which works with uh, talented students looking at the civil services mm-hmm. and that's a long term project where i'm involved in the periphery and um, 
there's a, another little group that works with slum children again, where I spend a little time. But um, what I really like about the people behind these projects is that they believe, they realize that they have been uh, blessed yeah. at being born in the wrong, in the right families and right society, mm-hmm. and uh, believe that others also uh, have a right to do something better in their future economically and socially. Right. And uh, the time I spend there gives me a huge amount of joy. Uh, getting into a school on Monday morning and maybe some little kid comes in and gives you a hug. And it's an awesome feeling when you see them participate. Um, no better way to start a day or a week. So uh, how much, how much time do. are you dedicating to teaching at the moment, like per week? Well, this would be about uh, seven to ten hours uh, a week. Hmm. Uh, this would increase by an additional uh, five hours uh, later this month. Right. So about 15, a- somewhere between 15 to 20 hours. I mean, that's uh, a sizable like side project, right? It's a sizable investment in time. Um, you said that you enjoy working with children. Like any particular stories or any particular students that stand out to you that you want to tell like as a story? There are. Some of these uh, programs have extremely talented students. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is at the Anaswami Mudaliyar school, there's this boy named uh, Rahul, um, who I realized he has a tremendous talent for working with numbers. Right. Uh, we were working with marbles, and this guy was so organized in the way he broke up the problem, uh, made smaller groups of marbles, and put them together to get the number of marbles in a group that we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is um, this is an exceptional talent. Um, now that's just one example. In each of these, there are students with different kinds of talent. There are those with um, who are talented with um, music or dance or just creating stories. Um, too bad that we, as a society, uh, do not give them sufficient exposure. Mm-hmm. More unfortunate is that they do not really have an opportunity to uh, go beyond their mother tongue. Right. Uh, I'm in Karnataka. I do not believe that uh, Kannada is going to take you very far. It's very unfortunate, of course, that when a young person learns so much English that they do not know their mother tongue and therefore cannot talk to their grandmothers. Right. I've noticed that in my family. That's awful. Um, but for the, for the social interaction, people need their mother tongue to make a career and a life and a living, uh, they need English. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we have an education system that does not focus on that enough for those who are less privileged. Right. And that's why like, I'm re- really grateful to you and people like volunteers who are, who are like you said, they recognize their um, privilege. They recognize that they've been given things by birth, which they are now rectifying in their ways like sharing their time to help educate um it's i recently um i ha- i got a chance to speak to a couple of medical professionals and so like for the show and uh to talk about the pandemic with them like you know how they were stressed during that time and then giving their uh, life essentially wow. helping others to service uh how was the pandemic for you by the way and how is like everything going for your family right now i had a the entire family had one um, one infection. We, mm-hmm. we had um, we were lucky that uh, they have tremendous neighbors. Um, 
all our rations were taken care of so right. i put a bag out with money and call up a neighbor and uh, the bag would have whatever rations we wanted um, we kept isolated mm-hmm. um, they bailed us out so it's tremendous when you have uh, neighbors of um, great generosity uh, but getting back uh, just for a moment on volunteering um, i believe that uh, the reward is immediate and it is multiplied i don't believe that um, though i'm a very good investment advisor i don't think i have sorry i don't think i've ever got an investment that gives such returns um, as spending time with uh, educating young people mm-hmm. uh, the joy that um, volunteers get i think uh, cannot be bought for any kind of money so um, right it's uh, make it selfish yeah i i think there's a good approach like uh, wow there's an alarm ringing here um so i was in toastmasters as an organization for a long time and there i voluntarily helped like teach other people the art of public speaking and you're right like the joy that you get in volunteering is incomparable to the joys of money though obviously the joys of money are important and well known uh, what's your relationship like with money and how has that evolved as you've gotten older um i've been broke uh, uh, repeatedly mm-hmm. i think there are three occasions in my life where i was uh, in a very very deep hole and i guess that's more um, more than average but i do believe that people do have um, some serious roadblocks in their, in their life um i was lucky i mentioned sanjay rao earlier yeah uh, he taught me about investments and i started with an investment of 125 rupees when i was still in college uh, i was also lucky to have people guide me and help me with uh, part time jobs so when i was still in uh, college um, uh, when i was still in college i did some part time teaching uh, mm-hmm. programs on all india radio uh, which helped pay pay my bills um, so i did was getting money from home which was not sufficient to take care of my hostel um bills this helped out it also gave me a little extra money to take my girlfriend out for coffee mm-hmm. so um that has given me a lot of respect for money and uh, putting in efforts to earn it um i've also learned from my mistakes uh, that um, gambling is not a very good idea yeah so um being uh, analytical um having some amount of uh, financial literacy uh, mm-hmm. does matter and uh, this is something that i would really love to stress to anyone uh, don't trust your banker don't trust your wealth advisor don't trust me right uh, find out how much a particular product would earn somebody who recommends it because we are more likely to make noises about how we are helping someone else uh, with their financial life but actually selling something that is beneficial to us rather than the customer and very often it is too late for someone to uh, to learn from it because they've already poured money down the drain right so i i would say like, like let's just round out the section with um three basic lessons you would give somebody about um financial planning or money management like you are you are an expert i i would say like to to a layman to a listener of the show say what would you say would be the three most important things they should start doing immediately uh, one is uh, don't consider yourself an expert or me 
uh, always be learning because there's something new to learn. Mm-hmm. Very importantly, have a budget and ensure that the budget includes how much you're going to save even before you think about any other and I mean any other uh, places to uh, uh, put your money. So uh, saving and investment should be the first part of your budget and that should be not less than 25% of your income. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of taxes because taxes can take a huge amount of money. One of the first things I recommend my clients is the public provident fund. Yeah. And this is a product that has absolutely no commissions. I am a user of the PPF myself. Like I put, I fill it out every year. I do that in the first few days of April before the, yes. before the I, I did it on 1st uh, April. Okay, the first working day of April, actually. Yeah, yeah full interest. This is a beautiful product. Uh, it's not good. It's, it has no commissions. Yeah, it. and it's, it's paying um, out also a decent percentage of return, like it's 8.1% or something, I believe. Yeah, it's 7.1. 7.1. Please consider that you have a Section 80C deduction first, and then the returns are also tax-free. It's what's called an EEE product, exempt at the time of investment, so you get some tax exemption. Your mm-hmm. returns are exempt. And when you withdraw the money, it's exempt. Yeah. So look at look at simple and sensitive products like this. Now, I've been a part of the mutual fund industry. I sell mutual funds today. Hmm. Uh, and I recommend the PPF over an equity-linked savings scheme. As an industry, we tend to tom-tom the benefits of a particular product uh, when it is very close to reaching its uh, peak in returns. We don't talk about investing when things are bad. Yeah. There's an old dictum, buy when there's blood on the streets. As a financial planning industry, we suggest buying when things are ready to fall because that's the easiest time to sell. That's a great disservice. I don't blame the industry for it. I blame lack of financial literacy for it. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is we sell products with very high commissions. We do not have any amount of transparency on the amount of returns we make on a product we sell. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that hurts. So I say first budget, look at taxation and learn about products so that you can question someone back. In my wealth management classes, I talk about how if a product cannot be explained in a few minutes, it's a bad product. Right. If your salesperson stumbles when you ask questions, avoid that product. If someone says this is an investment to make now, today is the last day, the last few minutes, throw that person out. You're wasting his, he's wasting your time. Hmm. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's a con. Um, I've lost money there. Okay. <laughs> so um, be cautious. You've earned the money. People say hard-earned money. If it's, if it's really hard-earned, treat it like it's hard-earned. Treat it like it's precious to you. Yeah. And I mean... We've, I've had guests like before talk about um, from the saving sides of things like save more. Uh, it's good to get like, you know, somebody from your side of things where you can say, how how do you invest? What are the basics of investment? So thank you for sharing that. Um, we'll uh, Anything you want to say before I move into like the last major section of our conversation? I'm fine. Okay. You're fine. Okay. So our last major con- uh, section is about your principles. So but before I talk to you about your principles, I this is the time I'll ask you. I always ask my guests to recommend the next guest to me, right? Like I want to get recommended Become guests. Next. I ask my guests to recommend other guests to me, right? That's how I got your contact. Okay, I would. I just mentioned a group called Sahaya for uh, those who are looking at uh, the civil services. Uh, this is organized by a 
Ashirwad, which is situated at Saint Mark's Road, mm-hmm. they pick up students from various parts of Karnataka who have talent. Um, religion is not a criterion, but talent and desire are. Right. Um, and the camp for a month. Uh, we started with learning English, and it's an ongoing project. Um, and I was looking at putting other volunteers together. and there was this uh, tremendous lady named sheela strinivas mm. um sheela's husband is a dermatologist uh, they are uh, uh, in uh, social society or financially they are among the upper crust mm-hmm. uh, but um, this is one lady you should uh, consider bringing in she's got a she's got a tremendous heart for helping out um, i'll give you her contact of course um, uh, i not met her in a few months but interact on whatsapp um uh, her husband is one of those guys i respect for one special reason he cycles to work <laughs> i cycle as well. I cycle to work as well um so that's dr sirima's dermatologist but sheela is one of those uh, people who puts her heart into uh, into volunteering mm-hmm. uh, you could also i could also connect you to um uh, uh shashi from uh, arunya she's one of the founders absolutely mm-hmm. i would have to talk to all of them um uh, so, uh, i again uh, back to the off record part are you uh, are you the person she is currently seeing yes ah okay so she had mentioned that to me i cut that out of her interview um and i had just asked her for so generally i ask my guests why do you think you were recommended why do you think that person admires you now since both of you are a little touchy on the subject we won't do that uh, we won't talk about Thank that um so instead i'll just uh, round out our interview with um what are you looking forward to the most now like as a retired person for the next however many years what are three things you're looking forward to one thing i want to do is a doctorate uh, my dad wanted me to be a medical doctor i didn't have the the talent the uh, academic marks to uh, get into get into that Mm-hmm. so i shifted from science to commerce for my undergrad um i found that an mbbs is actually an undergrad while uh, a doctor in the real sense is uh, a phd right. and uh, if i'm lucky i'll do that and uh, put a, put my certificate into my dad's grave to say look done it any idea uh, but, of specialization you want to do yeah i've done a few uh, studies in the past totally uh, on my own uh in connect in connection to the stock market um one was where i forecast pretty precisely the 2008 peak and trough of the sensex um it was simply based on uh, historical patterns uh and uh, using a parameter which i was shocked that no one else uh, saw because it was so simple right i want to compare that with uh, the returns on that's what therefore returns of equity and the risk mm-hmm. of equity the parameters people say you can never touch time the market i say that based on this you can time the market based on valuations right and i want to link that to uh, by the way that uh, we actually saw my forecasted top and bottom both happened both happened so okay. once in a time but i do believe that there is a certain uh, pattern to valuations and market peaks and troughs and i want to compare that to fixed income where you invest in bonds and sleep better than if you are in equity don't worry you can I, you, you can sit there i know there was a little bit of a noise that's fine 
I can cut okay, that okay. up. <laughs> yeah. I see you changing locations again and again. And I'm like, thank you so much. You don't have to worry about it. I'll cut it out. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So you want to do a PhD. That's one of your three things you're looking forward to. Uh, two yeah. more. Uh, I've been doing a bit of writing. A large, a large professional. Um, I was encouraged a few years ago. Um, let me say this was about 17, 18 years ago. Uh, by my one of my teachers of the CFP to write for uh, his company's website. Uh, it's a sort of blog which was uh, simple and educational. Um, I enjoyed writing it. And uh, since then, I've written a large number of professional articles uh, in layman terms, layman language. Mm-hmm. Um, these have gone off pretty well and uh, proud of what I did. I'm pretty proud uh, of that and I would I have uh, written a textbook on retirement planning for the mm-hmm. CFP curriculum uh, which I assure you is awfully boring um, I'd like to do more writing on a lighter vein uh, enjoying what I do and I hope my readers also enjoy it I've written for uh, uh, the fixedincome.com that's uh, a site which uh, promotes uh, the investment in the debt markets Right. Um, I've written 39 articles, uh, very simple things on what happens in the debt market. Uh, I've been paid for these. Nice. And uh, I didn't ask for much because I got a lot of pleasure out of it. I'd like to continue to do a little bit of writing. Um, and of course, I would love to in- engage myself in more teaching, more teaching. Uh, at, at various levels, uh, right from the younger children at uh, Aranya to the older young people at uh, um, Sahaya or Spandana, right. which is uh, another lovely uh, teaching program, which is uh, supported by the uh, Rotary XLRI. There's a Rotary of XLRI grants mm-hmm. uh, that supports this program. At uh, uh, Naveen, you just got muted. I don't know what happened, but you can unmute yourself to please. Naveen, still with me? There you are. Okay, Hello. sorry. Not, no sorry, sorry. Not at all. So, okay. So, um, you said learning, writing, teaching. And I, as a professional writer, would say, is there anything else you can do in life? So, I think your goals looking forward, things you're excited about are amazing. You mentioned a lot of schools that you're working with. So, the last section that I have is an advertisement. I ask people to share something with the listeners, something that they can go explore. I would love to collect from you, uh, you know, websites or any other information advertising by any of the schools that you have. And I would love to put that there. Maybe if somebody sees it, they contribute to it or they join it as well. Uh, any other recommendations you would like to give anybody listening to the show? See, as a financial planner, we seem to have a formula in Bangalore mm-hmm. saying that if you have your own home and want to retire, you need to have three crores as a minimum uh, just to get along. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, to have a reasonably comfortable retirement, you need five crores. Right. Now, my personal experience uh, when I retired at 53 uh, is that this is not true. Okay. Um, I retired with less than one and a half. And um, I ensured that I was there was enough money set aside for my daughter's education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've kept myself occupied and um, earned a little money. And I give um, happily a, a reasonable part of this uh, to educational charities, I do not give to a religious program. I do not give to church. So if people come and collect for church or Ganesha or something, uh, sorry, you don't get it. But if 
there is a need in education i channelize not less than i mean a large part of my earnings uh, to this simply because it's otherwise surplus right um i would encourage people to look at um, having financial goals it's nice to have enough money um, also look at uh, learning through giving time for education among other things um, be very focused on saving um, do not ever 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 have credit card debt um, do not buy a house that's a poor investment look at financial assets just as we do not dress like our great grandparents i my grandfather wore a or a dhoti mm. i don't even know how to tie i need to consider that uh, my investment goals have to be different from my grandfather or my grandmother of course because i have options that they did not have be careful of the sales person i want to repeat this including me ask questions have clear life goals have milestones so that you have the financial capabilities to get there have emergency funds we realized that especially during the uh, pandemic right we did not save money for a rainy day we had credit card debt we had lo- job losses that's that's potentially suicide yeah and it's i mean it's not difficult to build up emergency funds if you are just consciously doing it but if you don't consciously do it it's not going to happen uh, you have to yes to do all the not just emergency funds all your investments have to be conscious yes spending is easy oh, give me money and i'll spend it oh it's difficult for me okay uh, i'm tight fisted by nature but spending is easy yeah focused investment for goal is difficult having credit card debt is easy don't do that do not take a loan there are people taking loans to go on holidays it's crazy and be very careful with the life insurance you buy i am an insurance agent most dangerous tribe you need to ask enough questions about my product and how much commission i get to see if a product suits you and not suits the the uh, seller of the product so i could be selling you an expensive product not suitable to you but good for my commissions that's going to hurt my customer right so there's a time you should you should be willing to sp- stretch out your hand and slap me in my face uh say that again sorry at the end i got lost there stretch out a hand to slap you in the face you said yeah but if i if i'm trying to con you mm-hmm. don't take i'm saying right. be very clear that the product i am selling is suitable to you and will not put you into financial stress while fattening my my balances my my bank balances okay i don't be keep careful. money in the bank so as you say be careful ask questions and beware the sales don't trust your banker don't trust your banker on that note navin fernandez uh, that's the end of our interview uh, thank you so much for making the time for me across two sessions i hope you enjoyed this conversation anything you'd like to say to close out our Honestly thank you uh, I, i i enjoyed it myself a small little thing uh, when i said don't trust your banker uh, very often young people are pressed or pressured by their organizations to sell products simply because there are revenue targets right um i think one of my uh, strengths in during my working life mm-hmm. has been that uh, i was considered a maverick i got I got enough uh, I got enough business because mm-hmm. I worked hard right. and was able to sell uh, sell right uh, we all make mistakes and the problem with financial services that is that we do not know what tomorrow will bring right so there is a risk that is 
built into financial products inflation uh, political risk social risk um, they are all a part of it one thing that we need to uh, remove from that equation is the uh, risk of fraud mm-hmm. and if a young person today in the industry uh, sells ethically uh, they have a la- they have a very serious future they have a huge future so there is an incentive for bucking your boss building relationship with the customer so that wherever you go whichever organization you go to your customer will be faithful to you ignore it and uh, you'll probably have your customer abusing you blessings are simply worth it they stand with you for a long time it uh, it's not easy but if you're good at what you do it will come back and bless you thank you uh, navin fernandez thank you vibhav good to be here and that was the episode i hope you enjoyed it now here let us to myself hi vibhav in two weeks it feels like all our plans have changed in two weeks i've been sick more days than i have been in a year it's frustrating that i can't adjust immediately that i have to wait but only i can give myself the certainty i crave and i have to be patient and remind myself that everything works out as long as i'm breathing as long as my feet are on the ground i'll be okay okay until the day i'm not webof